society, he was generally known as Raven Veen, or simply Dark Walter, to distinguish him from Marina's husband, Durak Walter, or simply Red Veen. Demand's twofold hobby was collecting old masters and young mistresses. He also liked middle-aged puns. Daniel Veen's mother was a trumble, and he was prone to explain, at great length, unless sidetracked by a boar-baiter, how in the course of American history an English bull had become a New England bell. Somehow or other he had gone into business in his twenties, and had rather rankly grown into a Manhattan art dealer. He did not have, initially at least, any particular liking for paintings, had no aptitude for any kind of salesmanship, and no need whatever to jolt with the ups and downs of a job, a solid fortune inherited from a series of far more proficient and venturesome veins. Confessing that he did not much care for the countryside, he spent only a few carefully shaded summer weekends at Ardis, his magnificent manor near Lador. He had revisited only a few times since his boyhood another estate he had, up north on Lake Cottage, near Luga, comprising and practically consisting of that large, oddly rectangular, though quite natural, body of water, which a perch he had once clocked took half an hour to cross diagonally, and which he owned jointly with his cousin, a great fisherman in his youth. Poor Dan's erotic life was neither complicated nor beautiful, but somehow or other, He soon forgot the exact circumstances, as one forgets the measurements and price of a fondly made topcoat worn on and off for at least a couple of seasons. He fell comfortably in love with Marina, whose family he had known when they still had their Reduga place, later sold to Mr. Elliot, a Jewish businessman. One afternoon in the spring of 1871, he proposed to Marina in the up elevator of Manhattan's first ten-floor building, was indignantly rejected at the seventh stop, toys, came down alone, and, to air his feelings, set off in a counter-fog direction on a triple trip round the globe, adopting, like an animated parallel, the same itinerary every time. In November 1871, as he was in the act of making his evening plans with the same smelly but nice chicharone in a café au suit, whom he had hired already twice at the same Genoese hotel, an aero cable from Marina, forwarded with a whole week's delay via his Manhattan office, which had filed it away through a new girl's oversight in a dove hole marked R.E. Amour, arrived on a silver salver telling him she would marry him upon his return to America. According to the Sunday supplement of a newspaper that had just begun to feature on its funnies page, the now long-defunct Goodnight Kids, Nicky and Pimpernella, sweet siblings who shared a narrow bed, and that survived with other old papers in the cockloft of Artis Hall, the Veen-Dermanoff wedding took place on St. Adelaide's Day, 1871. Twelve years and some eight months later, two naked children, one dark-haired and tanned, the other dark-haired and milk-white, bending in a shaft of hot sunlight slanted through the dormer window under which the dusty carton stood, happened to collate that date, December 16, 1871, with another, August 16, same year, 
anachronistically scrawled in Marina's hand across the corner of a professional photograph, in a raspberry plush frame on her husband's knee-hole library table, identical in every detail, including the commonplace sweep of a bride's ectoplasmic veil partly blown by a parvis breeze athwart the groom's trousers, to the newspaper reproduction. A girl was born on July 21, 1872, at Ardis, her putative father's seat in Lodore County, and for some obscure mnemonic reason was registered as Adelaida. Another daughter, this time Dan's very own, followed on January 3rd, 1876. Besides that old, illustrated section of the still-existing but rather gaga Kaluga Gazette, our frolicsome Pimpernel and Nicolette found in the same attic a real box containing what turned out to be, according to Kim, the kitchen boy, as will be understood.